anti-lockdown protests and anti-vaccine protests explode across Europe this weekend while spring break students storm the beaches of Miami. But most importantly, there is a war, a global crisis going on, and it's not COVID-19, but it is a war for your mind. It is a war for society, a war between personal liberties and social order. Hey, it's Lucas Grobot, and you're listening to The Lucas Grobot Show, where we uncover purpose, pursue truth, and own the future. Thank you so much for being with us here today on the show. I am so grateful that you are tuning in. And guess what? Your friends probably like you, and they probably want to hear from you more often. And I always feel encouraged personally when I have a friend who texts me and shares a piece of content with me, whether it's a podcast or a YouTube video. So if you enjoy and get value from this show, I would ask that you would do yourself a favor and text a friend because they will feel loved and in turn, they will like you more. Also, if you have a question about this episode, or any other episode, you can WhatsApp me at plus one two zero two nine two two zero two two zero, and I will answer it right here on the show if it is good enough. So, well, ask a good question. Normally, the stupid I always find in my life the stupid questions are the best questions. When I just ask really dumb questions, you normally find really brilliant insights. So, the question that we're asking today is what is the narrative? What is the the agenda behind all of the stuff that's happening with the COVID-19 mayhem from, from vaccinations to lockdowns to vaccination passports to all the different vaccines and, and propaganda going back and forth? It seems very confusing. And over the weekend, I had a clubhouse session with the audience and we were talking about what is the the right positioning for society should we mandate vaccines should vaccines be mandatory for everyone across the globe and most people this was the progression of the conversation each person would jump on and normally they would start with i think that vaccines should be totally by choice, people should have the personal liberties to choose whether they put that into their body or not, and that shouldn't be something that's mandated by any government. But then, as the conversation progressed, the tunes began to change. Some of the, the same people went back on that and saying, actually, you know, it's the government's responsibility and they should mandate vaccines. And if people don't want to get a vaccine, then they shouldn't be allowed to go to work. They shouldn't be allowed to travel. They shouldn't be allowed to integrate with society. And maybe we can just find an island and put all the people who chose not to get the flu vaccine on that island because mm, we'd be better off and safer off without them. And the conversation quickly moved away from the externalities of a vaccine and whether it was the right thing or the wrong thing to do. And it quickly moved to where are our personal liberties? What are our personal liberties? And at what point does the government begin to infringe upon those liberties or society begin to infringe upon those liberties for the sake of social order? When is it appropriate? When 
is it not appropriate? Well, right now we are seeing across Europe, a lot of people feel like the steps that have been taken, the anti-lockdown or the lockdown measures that have been taken and the the U, the EU and the UK saying, hey, you are no longer allowed to protest anything publicly during this time because of COVID. So of, of course what happens, it's like, come on guys. Of course, if, if I told my kids, hey, you can't do this. You can do everything, but you can't do this. If you had rebellious kids, luckily my kids wouldn't actually do this. But the moment you're told not to do something, the moment that a liberty is taken away, a liberty that these nations pretty much have, to at least at varying degree, the, the right to to protest and have freedom of speech in their nations, in their land. If that's being taken away for the sake of safety, well, all of a sudden they're like, wait a minute. This is exactly why we have these laws so that our voice can't be taken away. So what happens? Well, yeah, it backfires. So across Europe, uh, starting in Switzerland, we see thousands of people go on a silent march, a silent protest, and they're all wearing these white jumpsuits and these um, white face masks that aren't covering their mouth and nose, but just hiding their identity and silently marching in protest of these. Uh, lockdown laws that they feel are unjust and an infringement upon their personal liberties. In London, we saw thousands of gather for the same reasons. Thousands gathered because they said, no, we have the right to freedom of speech. We have the right to protest. And you can't say that we can't protest. So we're going to protest the fact that we can't protest. Thousands gathered carrying banners in London saying, stop destroying our kids with things written on it saying, uh, you know, save our kids from depression and from suicide. Destroying their education. Thousands gathered. We saw in Germany, 20,000 people gather in protest of the lockdowns across Germany. And we even saw in Helsinki, hundreds of people gather we saw anti-vax movements gather across Europe saying that the, the vaccinations, which are, are being debated whether they'll be mandatory or not, they're saying, no way, we have the right to not get vaccinated. We have our, our liberties and our choice to decide whether we want to get vaccinated or not, especially when you, in their eyes, when they do a risk assessment of COVID-19, they're saying, mm, I, don't, I don't think the risk is worth the reward, the risk of getting vaccinated. And we'll get into those numbers in a second. But we also then saw in America, God bless America, we saw thousands of college students, young adults, teens, uh, just bomb the beaches of Miami Beach, causing Miami to, to declare a state of emergency and, and put in place an 8 p.m. curfew because of, you know, here's hundreds of kids partying, for spring break, not social distancing, no masks. This is this is the the very debate that we're seeing across society. The 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 struggle, the clash, the tension, the battle across society, where people are saying and and saying enough is enough. It's been a year. I want my personal liberties. I want my personal freedoms. And the government, after a year, is saying. 
guys, we are so close. We're almost there. We're about to defeat this thing. We're, you know, we're doing pretty, all the preventative measures. We're rolling out of vac- vaccines across the globe. Like, just hang on a little longer. And both sides are missing each other. Now, when you look at these, when you look at the pictures online of the the protests, you know, the one in Miami, the ones across Europe, people are most likely, you're most likely going to have one of two reactions. The, the first reactions can be, this is, oh my, oh my goodness, this is horrible. People are dying. These, these people should be thrown in jail because they're killing grandma and grandpa and your dog. Like these are horrible people. That's probably the first response when you see people that are, are not masked, not social distancing. It's this, this feeling of frustration at the the lack of thought that is being perpetrated by some people. Or you might be at the other side of the coin and saying, actually, this is the greatest thing ever. Everyone should get out and protest. This is amazing. These people are heroes. They are standing up for their personal liberties. They are standing up for what they believe. They are not letting the governments across the EU say that, no, you don't have the right to protest. And they're saying, well, we're going to protest the right that we don't have the right to protest. We're going we're gonna to protest you pushing a vaccine down on us that we don't want. We're going to protest it, even though you say that we can't protest it, even though every time we post something, you put a fact check link on it. And you say that the science is settled. Follow the science. Well, follow which science? And here's the problem on both sides. Both sides are saying, follow the science. Guys, there's science on both sides of the aisle. And there's risk assessments on both sides of the aisle. And this is not a new problem. This is not a new question, but it's something that has been debated for thousands of years. Where is the the bounds and the domains between our personal liberties and government order or social order? Because if you have no social order and you say, okay, everyone, you can do what you want, live your best life now. Well, then everyone has just total chaos, total anarchy, total personal liberty. And next thing you know, because there are some bad people out there, if you didn't realize, there are some people that do not have good intentions. And so those people who don't have good intentions begin to enslave people and hurt people and cheat people. Because there is, there is no social order. And, and on the flip side, when you do away with all personal liberties and the government begins to take more and more authority from the individual, when the government be able to take, begins to take more and more liberties and infringe upon individuals' rights, all of a sudden, we're left with totalitarian governments, and we've seen what totalitarian governments do because totalitarian governments are the, the exact same thing as what an, an, an anarchist system would create. A few people at the top making the decisions for all the weaker people down below. And this is what James Madison was talking about when he was arguing for the ratification of the American Constitution. He said, if men were angels... No government would be necessary. If angels were to govern men, neither external nor internal controls on the government would be necessary. In framing a government, which is to be administered by men, 
overmend, the great difficulty lies in this. You must first enable the government to control the govern and in the place oblige it to control itself. What James Madison is arguing, first you have to make sure that the government has the ability and the checks and the balances to control itself so that when it does get out of line, so when it does push too far towards social order and not limiting the powers of any one government, that's able to be put in place, being checked and controlling itself. But the difficulty is, just like the difficulty with complete anarchy and complete personal liberty, the same difficulty with government that we've seen throughout the the centuries, this is not something new, is that it's just filled with a bunch of people following rules, following incentives, and trying to do what they see as best, trying to fulfill the role that they feel like that they have been given to protect and serve their communities, to make their communities a better place, to make just laws, to create social order so that the individual can flourish. Now, what happens when you have two competing data sets between those who are in power of government and those who are of the people and two different views of the way that people believe a crisis should be carried out, the way to to solve that crisis. And this is the crux of the matter. Over Europe as well in the the last week, we saw the AstraZeneca vaccine being halted after many young people started suffering blood clots after receiving the vaccine. And a few people even died. One man died in Italy, one in the UK, one in Denmark. Now, the the data, the science comes back and they say, well, there's not a direct correlation. You know, we've had millions of vaccinations. There could have been underlying causes and symptoms or diseases that these individuals had. Um, this is not something that is at least linked by data yet. So they they started it up again. But as you can see, it creates and breeds a cycle of distrust. Here, you, you see people are dying. There's side effects that are sometimes quite detrimental. People losing hearing in their ears, uh, Bell's palsy where half of their face is becoming paralyzed for at least a time. People are concerned. But the science, the data comes back and they say, well, the risk of taking a vaccine is worth the reward. And then when we compare COVID-19 to the risk of, of what a vaccine might cause, these people are saying, well, it's, it's worth the risk. Now, if you remember when these lockdowns started and the masks started, the, the, the narrative was if this could save one life, if one life is saved through what we do, then it's worth it. But now if the narrative is kind of flipped and saying if it costs a couple lives on the way to you know, save the whole, well, then it's worth it. And so we're in these two competing worldviews, these two competing vantage points of one group of people saying, actually, I don't, I don't think when I look at the, the risk to benefit analysis of the COVID vaccine, where it, it was not tested on animals for years first, it was not something that took a long time to develop. It has still not been approved by the FDA. 
but it has been given emergency clearance to be used in the United States. And there's a lot of questions. There's a, there's a lot of doubt. There's a lot of mistrust. There's a lot of what people are calling misinformation about these vaccines. Now, it doesn't help. It doesn't help the matter that big tech seems, and, and the media, seems to be in collusion with the government's agenda. And what do I mean by this? What I mean is when you see a fact check, little thing below on your Instagram or your Twitter, or you see something on YouTube or something is being shadow banned because of the content, you have to wonder, you have to say, well, why, why are they so concerned about making sure that everything is fact checked? Why is the media so concerned when the role of media is to find the truth, is to look through the data, is to look through the science, is to look through competing science. That's the role of science, the role of doctors. It's to say, we're going to take both sets of data. But what we have seen uh, continually is the powers that be saying, okay, we, we want to do what's best. And there's a narrative that's going on right now in culture that is counter to our agenda of getting people vaccinated, is counter to our agenda of stopping the spread of this virus in, in the ways that we think is going to be best. So we're going to shut down those voices. We're going to fact check those voices and we're going to push our narrative. The only thing that that does for society at large, it creates and it breeds more distrust. The only thing that it does when you're beginning to mandate vaccines, force people to have a vaccine, it causes them to pause and say, wait a minute, if this thing works so good, if this thing works so good, why, why are you forcing me to take it? Wouldn't I, wouldn't I willingly want to take it if the data was there, if the science was there, if there was proof? If there's enough time for me to really evaluate what are the long-term effects of this shot? And likewise, on the other side, governments are saying, we need to open up our economy. We need to open up our economy and we need to open it up fast. We need to open up our borders. We need to get things moving again on a global scale. The way that we do this is by pushing vaccines, even if there could be some side effects, even if it's you know, a 70, 80% success rate at defending against COVID. That's going to be way better than nothing. It's going to protect the elderly and those with underlying comorbidities. They're doing a, a risk benefit analysis on this. So what is the risk to benefit analysis that we see when we're looking at COVID? Well, you have to take into consideration, well, what's your health like? What is your age like? Who are you around? Maybe you're someone who's young and healthy and you say, well, eh, it doesn't really matter. I can get COVID. I'll be fine. But you're living with people who are older than you. You're living with elderly. Or you have other people around you that you can transmit COVID to. Well, now you're putting other people at risk. That's where this whole argument comes in. This is the whole tension of the matter. Because now what's being said is we are going to push this vaccine on you. It's not mandatory yet, but places 
And companies like Qantas is saying, if you are going to fly on our airplane, you must be vaccinated. There are places like in Israel where in order to enter some bars or concerts, you have to have a certification to say that you, and, and a document to prove that you've had your vaccines and all of your doses. In the UK, they're beginning to introduce not COVID uh, passports, as they're calling them, but they're saying certifications, so that if you want to go to a concert or a sporting event, you have to provide your certification, which sounds pretty much like a passport to me, in order to get into the event. Now, they tried to do this, they tried to do this in France, where they said, okay, if you don't get vaccinated, well, then you won't be able to access public transport. Well, the community in France essentially blew up and said, no way, no way are we going to do that. France is one of the, the strongest uh, opponents of vaccination across Europe and the EU with 55% of France saying that they are planning to not get vaccinated, 55% of the population. And this is one of the big problems right now across the globe is that governments are failing to convince their people to get vaccinated. They're failing to show the efficacy of these studies. They're failing to show the safety of these vaccines. And the things that I see and I hear from people, even when I was on the call, there's one lady who essentially went through the, the different vaccines on the clubhouse call that I was on with, that was hosting and leading. And, and she shared personally, she's like, I don't trust it. It was, it was rushed, in my opinion. We don't know the lasting side effects. There could be side effects that don't show up for five, six, seven years. And I think these are, are valid points. I don't feel like there's enough data for me personally to take it. But here's the thing with vaccines, is that there's two different types of diseases. There's communicable diseases and non-communicable diseases. For instance, tetanus. If I get tetanus, I'm not passing that to anyone else. So there the argument lies, well, you should have the personal freedom to take a test tetanus shot or not. But now the argument is saying, if you refuse to get a COVID vaccine, you won't be able to go to school because you could be a vector of transmission and hurting other people. One example is that you'd be walking down the streets, swinging your fist, and anyone who comes in your path, you might end up hitting them, and then you are going to be held liable. You're going to be held responsible. You're putting other people at harm because it's no longer a personal issue, as the argument goes. It's not a personal issue. It's now a social issue because you are affecting other people by the way that you live, by the choices that you make. It's impacting other people around you because it could cause an outbreak if you're not vaccinated, if you're spreading the virus. And this goes to what John Stuart Mill said on liberty. In his book on liberty, he argues the only purpose for which power can rightfully can rightfully be exercised over any member of a civilized community against his will is to prevent harm from others. So the only time that a community or government in a civilized community can do something that's against an individual's will is to prevent harm from others. Here is the catch. Is the whole 
And this is the argument that is being made from those who are resisting vaccines. Now, I feel like it's worth saying I'm pro-vaccination. My family gets vaccinated. I get vaccinated. My kids get vaccinated. When I look at the risk-benefit analysis for COVID-19, I say, hmm, I don't necessarily see a reason that I should put a vaccine into my body that I don't trust, especially when it comes to the Moderna vaccine or the Pfizer vaccine with the mRNA in it. We don't know the effects, and the studies from that, the in-depth medical studies, show lots of concerning concerning things. The side effects that we've been seeing. So now the question then becomes, is the group actually creating harm, producing harm on other individuals, and therefore there needs to be restraint there as well? Because as John Stuart Mill says, the only purpose for which power can rightfully be exercised over any member of a civilized community against his will is to prevent harm of others. But does that mean you can harm someone to prevent harm from others? Like if someone is forcefully given a vaccine and then had some terrible side effects, isn't that producing harm on someone? Isn't there a chance that that happens? Just like there's a chance if you don't get vaccinated, you could spread it to someone and they could get sick. I don't think there's a, a clear cut answer to this. I don't think there's one that is right and one that is wrong. But I think it's the tension that we're in right now. I think it is the, the underlying philosophy, the underlying value that society is battling through. And it's one of worldview. It's which in this situation, because I'm sure at other points of times, people would make the argument for personal liberties. But in this situation, the, the world is dividing and saying, no, we should have personal liberties. People, people should decide if they want to be able to go to work and when they want their businesses to be open or closed. That's something that falls under personal liberty. And for those who feel that, well, this isn't safe, well, then stay home. No, it's my personal liberty of whether I want to wear a mask or not. This is the argument that's being made. The argument on the other side is, well, by you not wearing a mask, you could be transmitting a communicable disease and hurting other people and putting people at risk and causing other people to die. And so, for the good of the whole, we can each make some sacrifices. And I think that's true. But now the question is, how much sacrifice are we willing to take and make as individuals? And what happens when the whole begins to suffer as we sacrifice for the whole and the cure is worse than the disease? Don't go away. We will be right back with our closing Weaver and Loom segment. Welcome back to Weaver and Loom, the part of the show where we take ancient wisdom and we weave it in with our everyday lives so that we can own our futures and weave our destinies. The thing that I love about this topic so far is that it has a lot of personal implication, has a lot of personal leadership implication of how do we leave our, lead our families, how do we leave, lead our, our organizations and our communities, how do we 
carry out our own lives, our own personal responsibilities and thinking of others and serving others. Because it is a fine balance. It is a, a tension that we walk in between personal responsibility and social order because too much of either will end us up in the same place, which is tyranny and anarchy. Today's quote is by Thomas Aquinas, St. Thomas Aquinas, the Catholic philosopher who walked in the footsteps of Aristotle, taking Aristotle's very down-to-earth practical philosophies and, and building upon it to continually see how, how we walk out philosophy, how philosophy walks out in the sphere of politics, of governance, of morality, of justice, of virtues. And the quote by Thomas Aquinas for today is, fear is such a powerful emotion for humans that when it, we allow it to take us over, it drives compassion right out of our hearts. If I were to look at what's happening across culture today with fear on all sides, I think there is a tremendous amount of, of fear in the government. I think there's a tremendous amount of fear in the people. I think there's a tremendous amount of distrust between the two. I think that the media and the government and big tech have a, a large sentiment of distrust towards the general public, towards the individual and their ability to make the right decision and their ability to make an educated decision that's not only good for them, but for the whole. And there's a big fear that they are going to be held responsible if something goes wrong. If they do close something, if they don't close something, if they open borders, if they close borders, if they push the vaccine, if they don't push the vaccine, I think there's a lot of fear that's taking place in the, the, the halls of, of government and media and big tech where they feel like it's their responsibility to carry society through this hour, that it's their responsibility. And if they fail, if they do something wrong, that it's going to be their neck on the line, that they will have failed. And I think it's true as, as both public and private servants People who are serving the community, whether it's journalists who are bringing uh, an aspect of truth, reporting on the news, reporting on truth, and helping us discern what it is, there's a level of responsibility there. Likewise, there's a level of responsibility for, for government officials to make decisions that are just and wise for the individuals that they serve, taking into account personal liberties while remembering their responsibility in the role that they've been placed in to oversee social order while not getting carried away, while not getting power hungry, while not taking every, every step and measure that they're taking to be one of further and more and more control. And on the other side, there's a tremendous amount of fear in the individual where maybe we don't have all the data, we don't have all the numbers. And we question, well, why, why are these decisions being made? Why are my liberties being infringed upon? Why are they so adamant to force a vaccine? Why are they so adamant to have lockdowns? Why are they so adamant, like in Europe, so adamant to say you, you can't protest and you can't protest the fact that you can't protest? That sows distrust in the people. 
that sows distrust between the two parties. And I see both parties in this cycle. In the cycle of, you know, you look at the protests across Europe where so many people are saying, we want the right to protest and we're going to protest this. And the government then is saying, well, this is exactly why we said we don't want you to protest because we're going to have another outbreak and then we're going to have to shut things down more. And the people are saying, well, yeah, but we want our liberties. Don't infringe upon our liberties for our safety, as Ben Franklin said, that any person who gives up and is willing to give up their personal liberties for a little bit of safety deserves neither liberties nor safety and will lose both of them. So there's the people across Europe, they're saying we we will fight and we will die on this hill for our liberties. And the government is saying, well, this is the whole point. We don't want you to die on this hill because you can spread this disease and you could die by being out here. That's their vantage point. And so on the other side with the, the general public, the trust grows. The more that they see a fact check, the more that we see something not being allowed to be shared, the more that we see media censorship, the more that we see uh, media propaganda propagating one side or the other side, the more that we see government overstep and government control and hypocrisy, the more that people become distrustful. And the more that people start to question, wait a minute, what's really going on? When in fact, there could be nothing going on. That is all for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope it caused you to think through some difficult philosophical footing of how we walk out our personal liberties while still taking into account loving one another, caring for one another, and social order, and respecting the governments that God has placed over each and every one of us while still standing up for justice and for the voice of those who have no voice. That is all. Thank you so much. And I will see you next time right here on the show. So go out this week, pursue purpose, discern the truth, and own your future. <laughs>